Advanced Principles Podcast, or app, was created to be an outlet for like-minded individuals to share in the broader conversations on leadership, retail market updates, and incredible personal success stories. On app, you will hear a collection of stories from the titans of the retail industry, as well as thought and practice leaders covering the spectrum of the economy. Please click the subscribe button and look for the newest episodes to be released. Said, you know, you really should not be waitressing, you should be in car sales. As you know, I'm a huge fan of you and your story and your background. I told the dealers where the customers were going if they didn't service. Because it really speaks to who you are and, and what's important to you. And now today we want to introduce Miss Kelly Price. Kelly was the Chief Executive Officer and founder of National Automotive Experts, which market and administer finance and insurance products in the automotive, power sport, and recreational vehicle industries. Kelly's companies were collectively honored with the City of Strongsville's Innovation Award, the Pillar Award for Community Service, the Weatherhead 100 Award, and Inc. 5000 Fastest Growing Private Companies. NAE was recognized by North Coast 99 as one of the best places to work in Northeast Ohio in 2017, 2018, and 2019. Kelly was also honored as a regional finalist for the EY Entrepreneur of the Year Award. In 2020, NAE was acquired by Portfolio Holdings, an Avery Partners company. Kelly was appointed to the board for Portfolio Holdings in 2021. Kelly currently serves as the Executive Vice President strategic ventures focusing on acquisitions, mergers, and strategic initiatives. Kelly also formed Driven Capital Partners in 2020, which is a joint venture focusing on investments in the automotive and fintech space. Kelly is dedicated and is very involved in the Cleveland Christian Home and the Inspiring Children Foundation. In addition, she established Changing Lives Foundation in 2018, which is dedicated to helping those in need. For more information on Kelly, you can go to www.kellyjoeprice.com. So Kelly, you know, certainly we've talked a lot about culture and building it and growing it. And uh, you said that growth was proved to be the biggest challenge when the company doubled in sales and had to double in people, um, the process of creating all the process models and everything else. But certainly this last year and a half has brought new challenges uh, to every business leader out there. And one that is so founded in a, such a great culture and led by such an on-site, hands-on leader like yourself, how have you and the team been able to deal with that? Yeah, so um, I went through, I, that was probably the biggest challenge of my career ever was to go through what we went through last year um, with COVID because um, never having, having laid off an associate ever, um, always have been in growth mode. Um, it's really just been, um, you know, a great run. I just have nothing to complain about, but it was uh, very challenging because obviously when you don't have any business, meaning any dealerships open or very few dealerships open at the time, you know, there are certain jobs that if you don't have business coming in, you don't have a need for that person to sit here. So we did have to furlough some people temporarily. Luckily it was only like maybe six weeks. Um, and, but it was very hard. It, you know, I took it very hard. I got really depressed because I've never, I mean, the impact on the families, I care so much about, you know, what goes on, not just from a business perspective. And I wasn't really worried even about us financially, just mostly worried about the employees that we would um, impact. And so that was a really, really tough time. I'm really proud of how our team made it through. We, um, 
I was flying back from California and out in California, I could feel things getting a little bit more tense. Um, I was out there for a school visit with my son and on the airplane ride, I think it was maybe the 10th or 11th of March. And on the airplane ride, I wrote a letter to our whole team. And I said, you know, team, we need to probably get together very quickly and figure out a work from home approach. Um, because I think we're going to probably have to be moving people home soon. I wrote that on a Wednesday. On Thursday, they announced that we had to be home by Monday. And so literally by the time I landed and got here, we started having meetings and we would meet in the morning. And then by one o'clock, something else had changed and we did have another meeting. And it was just so crazy. But I was so proud of our team. Like literally we moved everybody home within like 36 hours, never wow. had a break in service. Everybody stayed up and running. Um, our IT team did just a fantastic job. We were set up for it um, from a perspective of our, our phones being voice over IP and things like that. And then being in a call center software that's on the, on the internet. So that was really, really good. But you know, it created a whole nother, um, we had to learn how to do presentations <laughs> via Zoom versus <laughs> yep. walking in and having dinner with somebody and really building that relationship. You have to learn how to coach and mentor people. Um, you know, it's much different. You and I can sit here and have a difficult coaching session. And when we hang up, I can't look at your face or walk by and see how you're handling it a little bit later where I could if you were in the office and mm -hmm. I could go back by and check on you and say, hey, I know that was probably a challenge, but, you know, it's really not the same to be able to mentor and coach people. I think that, you know, we've done it. We went home with a fully trained staff, which was great. It's hard as a new person that's joining the company to get the feeling for the culture and to get the training. And, you know, the, the stuff you hear over the cube or at the water cooler isn't being, you know, shared because you're siloed in your own workspace on a computer and, um, unless you're on a go-to meeting or a Zoom meeting, you're not really feeling that. So I think that long-term, um, you know, I'm seeing a lot of it. I was just, you know, at a dinner party on Saturday with some friends and they work for KeyBank and they're like bringing everybody back in on July 1st. Oh, and wow. they just, because they can't get, you know, they're not, you don't learn and grow the same way you do when you're in the office, but also the opportunity to be promoted. Like, how do I know how great of a job you're doing if I only see you here and there and you're not interacting or jumping in and taking on a new project or hearing something like, I just look at how I've grown over time. Like if I wasn't ears to the ground in the dealership and listening to what was going on, I wouldn't have known like some of the raise, the things that I could have gone and done. And so I think that that collaboration, yes, it's maybe not as productive because you have interruptions and gossip and, you know, all the different things, but you know, as I read all the pros and cons of everything, I think flexibility will be very important, but, you know, we have to continue to grow that culture. And it's very hard when you're not shaking hands and hugging mm -hmm. and, you know, doing all the things, you know, I like to hug. So probably <laughs> most people's best wishes, but anyway, so I think that that's really hard, you know, then, you know, during this time, at the same time we merged um, with portfolio. So not only did we have COVID going on, but we had a sale of the company to merge the two companies together. And, you know, we were acquired by portfolio, but truly it's like two companies merging together. We need to keep the, the culture of both companies running. And so when you, you have all that going on and all that uncertainty and things like that, and two completely different cultures, you know, coming together, both customer service oriented, which I'm very blessed about, but, you know, you still have two different leaders and two different mm -hmm. approaches and, you know, bringing all that together. Um, we're taking it slow. We want to make sure that we're doing the best thing. 
um, picking from the best of both worlds, but also making sure that, you know, if neither of us are really successful in a particular area, how can we do it and make it even more successful? So I'm really proud of both teams and how they've come together the last year. But, you know, so we've had a lot of challenges. Now we're heading to another one. I drove past the local dealership here and they had five cars on the lot. And, um, you know, I was trading in my son's car. Um, He had ordered a car four or five months ago and it came in. And so they went to sell, you know, to trade the car in. And I got bids from four different dealers ranging from $9,000 to $13,500. A $4,500 swing in what a dealership was willing to pay for a trade. I mean, you've never seen anything like that. I mean, in, in all my life, I've never seen anything like that. And so we're heading into different directions. I mean, that's going to lead to other trauma down the road. Mm-hmm. We're overselling these cars. You know, we're oh, either we're financing too much. They're not worth this. You know, when we get back to reality, the gap in, you know, gap losses are going to be crazy. You know, so you have to really like watch everything that's going on. Um but this market is, you know, insane. It's been great. We're, I mean, we are blowing our forecasts away for the first half of the year, but we're going to probably eat it all back up at the end of the year when, <laughs> you know, um, when we don't have any cars to sell. Yeah. Well, let's hope that somebody finds some chips somewhere. I'm thinking of trying to establish a way to manufacture my garage just to keep the pipeline uh, moving along. It's just absurd that uh, those little semiconductors are causing this much havoc on our industry. Yeah, if it wasn't for all the gamers that took up all the chips <laughs> last year. But, exactly. You know, because, I mean, the new Bronco, I was talking to some Ford executives and, you know, they've been building these new Broncos and they have thousands of them sitting there just waiting for the chips. They, yep. they can't deliver them. And, you know, they're built ready. I mean, it just, it's crazy. Yeah, and then you wonder what Lot Rod is going to do while they're sitting there waiting for the chips. And it's, it's uh, going to be a story that certainly unfolds throughout the year. We'll see how the dealers can do it. Um, but, but you and I, I, think I both it's know. Be probably a three-year story by the time we feel the impact of overfinancing, you know, over, you know, just the values. I mean, the housing market's going to do the same thing. Yep. Yep. No question. No question. So, you know, obviously we had COVID. Um, so that was kind of the, the first big uh, event there. <laughs> that you had to come to grips with and deal with. And then, oh, by the way, within a matter of a week or a couple of weeks, you announced to the world um, a merger with Portfolio, one of the largest administration companies out there, combining two premier administrators. And it was really the first time that two really large, prominent administrators came together. And then managing through all that, and both companies with very established cultures, sales processes, agent bases, dealer bases. Um, and then, oh, by the way, now we get into the inventory uh, craziness that's going on there. So um, no, no calm waters for you. You just kind of like the, the chaos and continue to charge ahead. So that's, Apparently, that's great. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Thank goodness I have God helping me. Because <laughs> right. This, ay, ay. Well, just remember, he doesn't uh, put any burdens on someone unless they can handle it. So that's right. <laughs> I, I know you live by that. Amen to that. <laughs> right. So talk a little bit about your journey. And um, certainly you said you, you, you see failures as an opportunity to learn. Um, we've all had numerous failures or opportunities to learn throughout our, our careers. What are, what are one or two that really stick out to you that was really difficult to go through and endure, but proved later on to be a tremendous life lesson? Um, you know, I, I think probably, probably COVID was the biggest for me, um, just because for the first time, I mean, I was challenged in ways that I have never had to been challenged. I mean, not only were we going through, 
um, the merger and I mean, we hadn't closed, we had announced our sale, but we have bankers freaking out, like just because COVID hit and, you know, banks don't want to close on the deal. And, you know, it's like everything is going chaotic. You have associates that you're cutting pay or sending them home and never having done any of that before. Um, I really, that probably was for me, the hardest thing I've ever been through. And I will say, thank God for my faith in God, because without that daily routine of getting up every morning and doing my prayers, I did stop exercising and um, the COVID, they call it the COVID-15, I called it the COVID-30, like in two months, like, because <laughs> I think the only thing that I did was, you know, eat and like, try to embed myself in like trying to figure out what was going on. Um, but the one thing that was probably the best thing that came out of it is um, we had a bunch of administrators. I was contacted by Tony Wanderin with NAC about doing a, like a relief fund for all the F&I managers that were out of work because you're not selling cars, you don't have anything, mm -hmm. you know, so forth. And, you know, employment, you know, people weren't employed, so they couldn't buy cars. I mean, it was kind of crazy. And so we had, um, he contacted me and, um, and said, you know, if we could do this. And I said, well, I could actually run it right through um, Changing Lives Foundation. So um, we opened Changing Lives Foundation a couple of years ago to help people in need um, that might be struggling. You know, a mom with breast cancer that is like a single mom that has no way. I mean, just like all kinds of different things, like helping people today, not like the research type of things with cancer and things, but, you know, helping people. And so the F&I Providers Relief Fund we were able to, to develop a special board underneath Changing Lives and um, we raised over $500,000 from a lot of different administrators and people that support the business. And so I dove into that, like I spent hours and hours and hours at night um, going through and helping to get all these applications processed. And luckily it actually allowed me to keep a couple people on our team employed because they could do that work because they had nothing else to do. So administrative assistants that sit here don't have anything to do if we don't have a company, nobody mm -hmm. in the building. And so they were able to actually, you know, really dive in and we were able to kind of run the F&I Provider Relief Fund through Changing Lives and everybody kind of dove in and helped with that. And um, it was great because it gave us a sense of purpose, but I mean, it was just like such a crazy couple of months between you know, like I said, the bankers, then you've got people laid off and pay cuts and managing your business and watching trends. I mean, I watched trends like on an hourly basis of things being sold to know what was coming in the future, because, you know, we had a call volume I had to anticipate and things, you know, as things in, we needed to be able to bring people back at the right time. And I'm just really proud, like I said, of our team and how hard they work to be able to make it happen and the sacrifices. I mean, I had some of our managers with a 40 and 50% pay cut, you know, for five or six weeks. Um, David and I went without any pay for probably four months um, just to make sure that we had the money in the building to be able to support what was going on. And luckily we've always saved a lot of money. We never really had any debt. So we were in a really good position, but um, you know, not everybody could be said the same. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I've always said is like during a downturn, the last people you should be laying off are your claims people because you sold all these contracts, you have to live up to it. And even just, I was just talking with some other people in the industry and the first people they laid off were claims because they're so expensive. 
and you know, it just to me, we've all had these record-breaking years. The last people we need to have gone are claims people mm -hmm. because they're, you know, this is when all the claims are going to come in for the contracts we sold before. So, um, you know, but the support people of selling the products coming out, you know, we felt very um, empowered to be able to provide some funds out to F&I managers that didn't have anything. And those are the people that provide our living, the F&I managers that sell our products. So it was really a great adventure. And, um, but again, we had a lot of opportunity and changes going on that was, uh, I don't want to go through that again. I don't think the chip shortage is anything like that because you're not like, people aren't trying to stay away from each other and mm -hmm. you can bring people back in the office and we can do some training. Um, I, I would say that our sales team, I thought, did the very best through COVID. So they couldn't go travel and they couldn't do anything. And they're usually on the road four to five days a week. And they started running industry training events for our agents. And they went into three to four hours of training a day to get their knowledge better, you know, paying attention to the details, getting product knowledge better, really working on how do you present over Zoom. I mean, they spent 40 hours a week doing this and supporting our agents and it was just fantastic. Like they really dove in instead of just saying, well, we don't have anything to do. We'll just go on vacation. Um, they dove in and really made the best of it. And I think became better humans after the end of it because they had worked so hard um, at improving their skills and doing book studies and, you know, learning products better than they had. It was just great. So. Yeah. So one of the biggest opportunities or, or learning moments uh, certainly allowed the company to flourish. F&I Providers Relief Fund, which I think was fantastic and really extended a lifeline to, I think, a lot of people mm -hmm. that really needed it at that time. And then for your staff being able to immerse themselves, become a student of the business, hone their craft, take time for themselves, which we all know is so important to us. It's it's pretty extraordinary. Yeah. So when we look at it, when you kind of went through that, that talks to another, we talked about culture, um, but your philanthropy and your generosity and your charitable outreach um, certainly, I think, has grown along with the company. Mm -hmm. um, so I want you to spend a little bit of time talking about that and kind of where where that came from, where it is, and then where it's going. Because I know you mentioned Changing Lives Foundation. You mentioned F&I Provider Relief Fund. I know there's a few other things you're working on in there as well. And I want to give you an opportunity to kind of speak to that because I think it really speaks to who you are. And then it goes down into the culture of the company that it's just a very giving uh, company, um, yeah. very accepting type of company. So uh, talk a little bit about all those different organizations you're a part of. Yeah. So I, um, I actually started working with the Cleveland Christian home here in Cleveland about uh, 28 or 29 years ago and got really, really involved with them. Um, and it's been awesome because I've been able, our, our company as a whole, we do a whole Santa's workshop and we sponsor their golf outing and their walk for the kids and different things like that. And so it brings our team together because we do like, you know, a spirit week for the whole week and do different things that, well, we didn't this year because there's nobody in the building, but, um, you know, <laughs> generally we would. And so there's been a lot of things like that. I think it brings team to get teams together. I think that anytime you have a generous heart, it, um, it allows people to come together and, you know, build relationships and do things like that, because the more you give, the better you feel about yourself. And um, I just have always been a big believer in giving back what God has given us. And so I always say, it's not my money, it's God's. And so how can we use that the best? We were able to, during our sale process, make some very large donations to a couple of foundations, which was great um, that we wanted to do. But the Changing Lives Foundation was a 501c3 that we developed 
Um, it's been something that I wanted to do for many, many years, but I think you were probably a big um, inspiration to me in that we had an associate that passed away due to um, committing suicide because they didn't have the money to make their um, mortgage payment. And the previous month before that, I had paid their mortgage directly, um, personally, and they didn't come back to me and ask again, which I can understand. And so you and all the other managers that were around me at the time said, you can't take this all on. It was very hard for me because I felt like I could have just written a check, like why, you know, it's not worth the life. Um, but we developed an employee assistance fund that allows people to apply for loans or grants um, that, so that if they're struggling, that they don't do something like take their life um, if they have an emergency. And so the company funds it. Um, we open up Changing Lives Foundation as a way that we could run it through a foundation so that the person isn't taxed on the income that really truly is a gift or a grant to them. Um, but we use it, so it was kind of the start of what I wanted to do anyway, which was to be able to help people in need. And I see a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of fundraisers, cancer walks and MS and, you know, different things and all very, very needed. But there's a lot of people just struggling day to day, you know, that just can't make it work. And, you know, so we pay uh, the rent payment for a gentleman that has a mess, no family that lives on his own, um, you know, can't live in a lot of the the government assisted housing because of his needs, you know, and so we pay for that. So like, there's a lot of different things that we've been able to help. We just helped a person um, that has really, really, really bad stomach issues and the only the only option for them to get some more treatment is through a place that doesn't take insurance and, you know, doesn't have the money, college student, no way to pay for it. Um, mom is out of work due to COVID. So we were able to grant the money to be able to help them. So Changing Lives Foundation, um, we're not real good at raising money other than just a lot of our clients that know about <laughs> us. We're working on trying to get there. But, you know, right now, most charities are struggling because a lot of people aren't making donations to charities at this point. So, um, we've been able to give out quite a bit of money in the last year. You guys have been a great support. Thank you very much for that. But um, so changing lives is something that is I'm really super passionate about. That's great. That's fantastic. So I do remember uh, that event that kind of was the catalyst to all of that coming together. And um, I've been around a lot of very influential leaders throughout my career. I've been very fortunate to uh, be able to kind of soak up a lot of their knowledge. But it was really, and somebody who always aspired to grow in leadership skill, it was really the first time that I saw in person and witnessed the full burden of leadership. And I, I remember that night very distinctly. I remember I sent you a note um, that, you know, when you were starting this company and got, getting along this journey, that that's not what you had envisioned. And I thought that you handled the whole thing with such amazing grace, knowing that we had client events that week, we were out entertaining, we were doing everything else. And you, of course, handled it the way that you always do with everything. Um, but it really, for me personally, that is an impactful moment. I will never forget it for the rest of my life. Um, not only how much the burden of leadership can bear on somebody, that's very unexpected, um, but also how to handle it, um, how to step up to the challenge, how to be that beacon of light for everyone that's around you. And I think that speaks to the 170 plus associates that have drunk the Kelly Kool-Aid and have subscribed for the long term. So that's very cool. So um, you know, Changing Lives Foundation. So I, I know you said you're not great at raising money. So how can people learn more about it and get involved? Yeah, um, you can go to changinglivesfound.org. Um, and right now I'm actually working on possibly hiring somebody to do some promotions and active fundraisers and so forth. 
haven't gotten there yet, had a little bit going on um, this year so far, but that was one of my main goals for 2021 is to be able to do that. Um, but you, you know, obviously if there's somebody in need that, you know, um, we haven't been able to just do it for like general COVID out of work because it, we would have never had enough money. So we do try to, to keep it to where it's kind of more, I don't want to say a catastrophic event, but something that is truly out of your control that, you know, you're in a situation, whether you've had a sudden death in the family or, you know, a health issue or, you know, something that just isn't, you know, we had a person that lost their eye due to cancer and they needed that vision to do their current job, but they needed to go back and get trained for some additional schooling, but had no way to do that. And so we, pay, you know, helped to pay for some schooling. So things like that, that, you know, really, so if you know somebody like that, certainly refer them to Changing Lives Foundation, um, but it's changinglivesfound.org, Changing Lives Foundation was already taken, but um, <laughs> so in that, you know, or you can, you know, look it up on Facebook or something, but um, that is really important to be able to help those in need. Um, I love being able to do that. And so we have a board that looks at the, all the applications and makes the decision based upon how much money we have left in the bank, um, as well as, you know, the opportunity to serve. And so um, those aren't necessarily employees here because um, the foundation is run separately, but um, it is looked at that way. Good. Well, we'll certainly add that link into uh, the release of the show and promote it oh, as much you. as we possibly can. And certainly I think it'll be featured in an upcoming ADS newsletter and uh, <laughs> try to shine a little bit of light on it. As well. So we've talked a lot about, you know, kind of how you, how you started, how you got here. Certainly you've referenced a few different times, a huge event last year outside of COVID, of course, um, was the sale of the company that you started um, really out of a Honda store in a parts room. And um, now you've created this um, entity, which is uh, enormous and very impactful within the industry. And what led you to that? That had to be a hard decision to go through that and really this company that you created, that you fostered, that you developed, and now kind of uh, somewhat handing over the reins, although I know you're still very, very influential, <laughs> yeah. but what, what really led you to that and how difficult of a decision was it? So it was an extremely difficult decision. Okay. We had, um, you know, myself, David and Andy were, they were partners with me. Andy is our general counsel and David was our president and um, they were partners and we really started looking at it quite a few years ago to understand what was going on in the industry because there were a lot of mergers and acquisitions happening um, we really never wanted to be part of a private equity or being told how to take care of our customers related to dollar value because we never ever looked at the dollar value as the reason we did or did not do something if we could take care of the customer we wanted to do it. So making that decision. So when we initially just started understanding what was going on in the industry, um, just to see how are these people coming up with all this money? Like, I mean, I just know like running the business, there is not millions of dollars to go out and loan to dealers and you know things like that and so where are they coming up with all this money and i did not understand the private equity industry at all and so getting to know and understanding where all this money was coming from made us realize that you know we were one of the last privately held administrators of any size that hadn't been sold and um you know our margins have compressed dramatically over the years because there's F&I Sentinel out there involved. Lenders are charging fees. Um, all the different things that are going on. I mean, 
we spent $135,000 on Nissan filings in November just to get our contracts filed. So did wow. portfolios. So that's $260,000 that we put out just to have a, a contract that somebody can actually go sell. And we haven't sold anything yet. That's just to be able to get you know somebody to sell. And so when you look at fees like that, that we're not when I started this company, we didn't have fees like that. There weren't, you know, fees that were going on and, um, you know, and you get a lot of different compression of different things. And then, you know, our industry is definitely more transparent. So, you know, the compression of um, admin fees and so forth, as everybody starts to figure out how, you know, how to make it work. And so knowing that we probably weren't going to be able to fight against the big PE firms, we wanted to make sure that we were in a position to survive in the best way possible for our agents and our dealers. And getting buying power is one of those in having the largest independently held administrator, meaning portfolio in us come together provides us a lot more buying power so that as our margins get compressed, we don't raise our rates to our agents or our dealers that we can keep those same rates in place and be able to um, offer the same great service that we've had in the past. And so, it was a lot to look at um, the industry, the legislation, the rules, all the things that you have to do are so different than they were before. I mean, we were looking at having to bring on another attorney. They were looking at bringing on another attorney. So we were going to have four between the two of us. Now we can have two because we can have some people helping. And, you know, there's just a lot of things like that. Every contract that is processed through FNI Express or a menu we pay for, you know, we didn't have to do that in the past. It was just part of the service that the menu provided. And now we have to pay a fee. And so every single thing that happens is just more and more expensive. So we wanted to make sure that number one, we were with a company that emulated our um, level of culture. And we did a lot of interviewing and spent a lot of time with them prior to actually making the decision. And we feel very, very good about that opportunity. Um, we also feel like our teams merged very well together. They didn't have a claim center. We do have a claim center. They wanted to have their own claim center. So it helped them to be able to bring some services in. Um, we have a print center. They didn't have a print center. So we were able to help them with that. They have a, a ton of knowledge in reinsurance. Reinsurance is what we tout ourselves on. We feel like we can really take advantage of that. So our leadership teams have merged very well together and everybody works great together. I'm super proud of that opportunity. Yeah, very exciting. And congratulations again. I know it was uh, yeah. a huge decision on everybody's yeah. behalf and it looks like it's uh, playing out very, very well for you. And uh, personally, very excited for you and your family and the legacy that you continue to create. So oh, thank you. Certainly the sale of the company has uh, probably freed up a little bit of your time and maybe some some assets as well. So what are what are a couple of things that you're working on right now uh, to help the industry continue to move forward? Yeah, actually, Portfolio and Abri have asked me to lead up strategic um, acquisitions and um, strategic ventures. So I spend a lot of time um, helping Abri and Portfolio with looking at um, new companies that we can acquire and develop. But in addition to that, I um, have formed a company called Driven Capital Partners, where I do some investing myself in um, startup auto tech companies that can help our industry grow. So um, even when I don't invest, um, a lot of times it'll lead me to something that maybe you as an agent um, should jump on board and understand or get to understand. And so it's been really a lot of fun because not only am I able to help to look at things that maybe we can acquire as portfolio or Abri, but we can also look at, um, I can look at things that are up and coming in the industry and make sure that, you know, we are offering the best and um, most 
beneficial things out to our agents and our dealers to provide that um, opportunity for growth. Because I think that as an agency and even for our company that maybe we don't make any profit of it, but if it helps you to be able to bring some more value added opportunities to your dealers, we want to be able to do that. Yeah, that's outstanding. A great way to pay it forward as well. I know yeah. um, certainly you you were surrounded by a great leader mentor that gave you the opportunity. I know that you wake up every day hoping to do the same for the people <laughs> Amen. around you. Yep. So Kelly, we're going to wrap up now with our fast five. Uh, it's going to be five oh quick questions that you have not seen. <laughs> uh, we're going to go with spontaneous answers. Um, it should be fun. Yeah, it should be a good time. That's for sure. So Because I watch all the sports people do this and I think don't ever do that to me. Now you're <laughs> these are, these are going to be good. I think that uh, hopefully you struggle a little bit, but uh, it, it should be good. So uh, are you ready for the fast five? Sure. Fantastic. So if you were a car, what kind would you be and why? Hmm. If I was a car, what kind of would I be and why? Oh, Lord. I don't know. Probably a slug bug because <laughs> people would count me as they drive by. Like we play slug bug on long trips. And so we yellow slug bugs. So I'd probably be a, I don't even, do they make VW slug bugs anymore? Probably. But no, anyway. but there's still plenty on the road. Yeah. Just, I think they bring happiness to people. So I'd probably be a slug bug. Okay. Fantastic. What is your favorite getaway spot? Oh, well, um, anywhere that I'm with family and friends, um, I like a lot, but um, my spot for 25 years was the Chautauqua Institute, um, but we did sell our house there. And I would say for now, probably my backyard. Oh, there you go. Very nice. Yeah. All right. One thing that annoys you more than anything else. Chewing crunchy chips in my ear. <laughs> I've witnessed that. I've personally witnessed that. I know it strikes a nerve. It'll, I literally it'll bring a meeting to a halt. I cannot even sit there. <laughs> it'll bring a meeting to a halt. I almost had a bag of chips ready because I figured oh, that, that answer was coming. I was going to say that. That's awful. <laughs> um, one thing that people would never guess about you by just meeting you. Mm. That I didn't graduate high school. There you go. And last one here now to wrap up our fast five. If you could change one thing in the world today, what would it be? Um, providing, taking the media out and only positive influential things being shown on the media, because I think that we are driving our own hate in the world. And that if we could spread love, um, I was just, uh, I listened to a podcast the other day and they said that you don't, the more love that's in your heart, the less offended you are. And I thought that that was really powerful because if you, if we could all have more love in our heart, the less offended we would be personally, because we're not caring as much about what somebody is saying. And so I would love to, I know that the news station of love would never um, get by because everybody loves drama instead of loving people. But I really think that if we could spread more generosity and love and people would stop listening to all the negativity that, um, we would have a better world. So I try very hard. I'm very active on social media, but in a very positive way um, and try to spread, you know, good things. But um, I just don't dive into the negative. Yeah. Good for you. Great answer, by the way. Um, <laughs> very inspiring. So Kelly, thank you so much for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to um, do go through this interview. It's been an absolute honor and a pleasure. I'm excited to uh, see thank where you 
Kelly Price goes from here. I know the story is still so much to be written and so many great things you're going to do in, in this world. So thank you very much. I appreciate you. Thanks. Right. Have a great day. You too. Bye, Kelly. Bye. Hello, everyone. This is Michael from ADS. Myself and the entire team like to thank you for listening this week. And special thanks to Kelly for opening up about the hardships of running a company and then having to make that difficult decision to sell. As we saw, the sale opened up some of her time to focus on a variety of different endeavors, and we wish her all the best. Next up, we have Chris Diehl, who is the Executive Director at London & Capital, a wealth management company located in the UK. He will discuss the changes in the space since he started, active asset management versus passive asset management, and some of the biggest drivers for returns. App is available through Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, YouTube, and our website. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button to be notified of the latest episodes.